my skin is black. But that's no reason to hold me back. Daily Jam listeners, welcome to a special episode. This week, one year ago, George Floyd was murdered and it changed the world. And we want to talk to you about some of our thoughts uh, about that. Good evening, fellas. How y'all doing? <sighs> a year seems like a long time because of everything that happened, but it also feels like a very, very short time too. Like so much has happened in yeah. that year surrounding all of this, including more shootings. But this one was probably the biggest, most high profile one, which is really sad to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think what we, what we got out of it too, um, I mean, just a lot more police brutality has been filmed um, and a lot more reaction and a lot more killing. So it's, um, it's been a short year, I think. Um, yeah. And yeah, a lot has happened, man. Yeah. Let's 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 go back to May 25th, 2020, when we first heard or saw what happened. Do you do you remember what what was going through your mind or what you were feeling? Yeah, I tried to find my Facebook post. I can't find it now, but I actually do remember now just sitting here thinking mm -hmm. about it as we were preparing for the show. I actually remember making a post, a very long post, uh, just about I was still going on throughout the day because it was still mm -hmm. a work day, I believe it was, and just all the moments that I stopped and started crying, like just yeah. at random points, whether I was in public, whether I wasn't in public. I also remember talking about days that I wish I wasn't black, but I, I do appreciate being black. Like there was just so many emotions wrapped up in one because I, and I think that was just the trauma shock of it yeah. all. Like it was like another black man, but the nine minutes and 46 seconds of watching him, uh. the life like leaving his body. Um, yes. I think that's what it was that like did it for me. Like it, it was just yeah. all bad. And then being frozen, staring at the TV all night because of the unrest mm -hmm. that transpired. Like I literally just stood yes. there and watched my TV the entire night and just, just kept feeling, not feeling, feeling, not feeling him. Uh -huh. Yeah. Did you, ahead, did, did you, did you cry Jamal? I was going to ask if you cried. Um, I was numb yeah. um, to the point where I, I don't think I said anything until like the day after. Uh -huh. Um, because the first thing I could do was call the connections I had that was in the middle of it, that was at ground zero to make sure they were all right to see if they needed anything. But mm -hmm. I was, I was numb because yeah. I'm like, here it is before, like Adrian said, before our eyes. Yeah, literally. We watched the life just perish um, at the hands of a, uh, of a cop. So, so light-skinned people don't cry? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, light-skinned people cry. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I, I, you know. I, I'm with Adrian. I, I cried too, like like the whole day and the and the day after. I, I think that they were, and I, I think I kind of I, I vaguely remember uh, your post, Adrian, and I remember kind of reading that and feeling, you know, what you were kind of expressing. And I remember two social media posts. One was my daughter had tweeted uh, either that day or the day after was that I'm tired, I'm sick and tired of waking up to another black man being murdered, and that that hit me. Um, and then I think that same day, which was the, the 26th of May, 
I made a post that said something to the effect um, that as a black man, I am not okay. And fuck you if you think that I should be. Yeah. You know. And I that's. Remember, I remember that. Yeah. And yeah. that, I honestly, Mike, I remember now it's all coming back to, I remember being so upset because I had to go to work the next day. And mm. in the spaces that I was showing up in, either the recognition or the lack of recognition, um, because in some of the circles that I work in, I am the only black man. Or yeah. I and or that is top of mind all the time, and I was saying that I was not yeah. okay. And I actually, I be, now I remember sending out an email mm-hmm. to my colleagues saying I am not okay today, and I am not okay that we are not addressing this. And it wasn't just again this particular George Floyd. I think that just culminated yeah. because it wasn't a gunshot. It wasn't instantaneous. It wasn't mm-hmm. let's let's get all the facts, blah blah blah, or you know was mm-hmm. he doing this or he was doing that. It literally was he is down, subdued. And begging for help, and but yeah, but the narrative came quickly is that he he tried to pass a twenty dollar counterfeit twenty dollar bill. So so there was yeah there was a narrative that kind of came to justify, if you will, like like why why is this? I mean, there have been many black people killed uh, in our lifetime, you know, unjustly. Right. Why? What was this different? I mean, it, it feels like this started something. I think that the other ones didn't. I think this is a little bit different. And Jamal, you can weigh in as well, uh, and sort of in some of the spaces that you are, because you know where you are. Look in Columbus; they have a lot of police-involved shootings. Like they're like right. one of the top departments in the country for police-involved, you know, uh, issues. Um, but what I think that I saw why it's a little uh, different, and this is, I think, the problem that a lot of folks in our community. Uh, hate or um, don't like is that I think this time both police and uh, those in the majority races were upset too. Like a lot of white people were upset too. Like, and a lot of police officers were upset too. Now, again, that's still, it's a whole nother conversation of the episode about blue lives matter, but there were tons of departments and tons of officers, tons of chiefs, tons of sheriffs, like tons of high ranking law enforcement officials who, who were taking it back by this yeah. particular incident. Yeah. And, and, and they came out immediately. They didn't do the, the boilerplate language of let's wait till all the facts are out or all the circumstances. They immediately said, no, that's, that should not have happened. And I think that's yeah. a little bit, as, you know, that's not the whole thing, but I think that's, and that part contributed to it as well. Yeah. I think what it also changed was how precincts and, and cities are responding to a lot of these police-involved shootings with the body cams. Um, we know just recently this year, um, Micaiah Bryant here in Columbus was fatally shot uh, by Columbus Police Department. And literally the night of. Oh, yes. Forever link. Forever link. The body cam. The body cam was uh, footage was released. Yeah. Um, You know, I think everything that happened in Minneapolis with the the riots and, you know, the communities. I don't think mayors want to see that happen in their cities. And I, I know that we we all have kind of different opinions on riots or the purpose of, of riots. And, Oof, and I think we do. We do. We do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm here for it all. <laughs> no, not but, on this, uh, not on but, this but, memorial but, episode, because I ain't got time to yell and scream at y'all for being wrong. <laughs> but Dr. King said that riots are the voice of the unheard. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't start. Don't start. This is not don't go off script because that's what you're doing. Ladies and gentlemen, he about to start. He about to start. That's all I'm gonna say. Go. That <laughs> and Sometimes to get people's attention, you have to do. I mean, you you, you can't tell a person who was oppressed how to 
peacefully. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna reframe <laughs> from responding because he's trying, ladies and gentlemen, he's trying to go he's and to bait, bait us. That's I what he's exactly bait. trying to do. That's exactly he's what he's bait. trying to do. Look, it's cool I'm, though. I'm just letting our wonderful audience know that we have a difference of opinions when it comes to that, and we've shared that. We've Some of them, about we have. This podcast, and I am before, sharing so no, with our audience that, that that, ladies and gentlemen, that those comments that he just made, those were not in our show notes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, to Jamal's point, as we were talking about this one year later, and how these things are forever linked, the Micaiah Bryant, which was the young lady who was shot and killed by police, p- police that happened within hours of the verdict of George yeah. Floyd's of George Floyd's trial uh, concluding with the conviction of the officer uh, responsible for killing him. So like, like all of those emotions from what you felt last week. So I processed the emotions of crying when the verdict was read and then crying and being numb and upset again, because then another one, this time a black teenage girl was killed. Like there's just so much circling and waving around with all this. Cause there, there there was like, there, there was, there, there was like a, a moment of relief when he was, cause we were all still, yeah, wonder i mean we knew that he should be convicted but because of what has happened in this country before we none of us were sure that it would actually happen even mm-hmm. though we all knew that it actually should and so you know as soon as we got that relief i don't i don't know who who jamal was it you who put in a text yeah. thread about this mm-hmm. it's like god damn i mean like we can't even like like oh my god okay thankfully you know there's some type of justice you know that's happening for for black people and then immediately uh after that within minutes yeah you know this this situation happened. yeah and, and it's crazy because i was teaching i was teaching a life skills class and i asked them about the trial and i, I like i told you guys uh, there, there was raw emotions you know yeah, yeah. put him under the jail kill him yeah. um you know and crazy enough i showed them the 92 um beating of rodney king rodney king mm-hmm and you know when the trial started that's all i got was rodney king vibes you know mm-hmm. how the cops got off and i'm like this this shit's about to happen again yeah, yeah. to your point jamal the thing that i that stood out the most in processing not only his initial murder of watching that video and processing that and then following i didn't follow the trial because i i couldn't uh, yeah. follow the trial like that it would just consume me but then when the verdict came and i watched the video that w- I, there was emotions only because it's not very often i'm not saying it doesn't happen but it's not very often where you see a police officer handcuffed and taken away for prison and being convicted i'm not saying it doesn't happen yeah. but it was it's very very rare because it, it, it there is one one in 2000 right. one in 2000 officers wow are and convicted. so that image alone invoked emotion like wow a police officer is literally getting put in handcuffs and he's and his bail has been revoked like he's actually going to jail like right now like he's <laughs> like he's, he's not out on bail anymore like he's not you know blah blah blah. he of course he's afforded his due process and will appeal but that image of him being led away in handcuffs uh sat with me uh, as well because again it's it's not uh not that often that you that you see that yeah. It's crazy because one thing, another thing that it sparked, uh, USA Today did an article about, um, you know, how many cops were actually convicted or police chiefs have stepped down because of, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the backlash. You know, there in Atlanta, um, mm-hmm. Rashad Brooks two. fell asleep. Yep. Yeah, but two, this two, particular two. one, Rashad Brooks fell asleep in the Wendy's uh, drive through. Right. And, um, you know, what transpired, of course, we know he was shot and killed. Um, but the police chief, uh, I think it was Erica Shields, mm-hmm. um, stepped down and the police officer was fired. Um, and another one took leave, uh, right. after the shooting. So 
but we're seeing that we're seeing trends right. of police chiefs so, across the country step down because of you know police yeah. involved shootings. So there there were there are a lot of things that have happened in the last year that have have been appear to be more promising than movements in, in past, previous. Yeah. You know, and so let's take a, just a couple minutes to talk about a few of them. I think one of the things that I think have uh, impressed me the most. Um, because I remember when um, athletes like Muhammad Ali and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and other folks would kind of speak out against injustices or injustices and use their platform to kind of do that. And then you went through several decades where none of that happened. Athletes didn't really speak out on what was going on, even though it impacted their community. But because they were vilified, George Floyd incident, right? Yeah, they would be vilified. Absolutely. This incident, um, I think, reverberated around the world in such a way that, you know, businesses and the yeah. NBA and NFL and, you know, major sports leagues, like the entire leagues, not just teams or individuals are speaking out, um, you know, against, you know, uh, um, for social justice. Uh, and mm -hmm. I, I don't know that I've ever seen that before. You know, you've seen individuals here and there kind of do it uh, using their platform, but now you're kind of seeing, you know, major companies, which uh, um, gives me a little bit of hope. I think, uh, uh, go ahead. I was just gonna I'll say, say well, that what's crazy. What's yeah, you tell me to go ahead and then you gonna go. <laughs> because literally, we like, are, yeah. are, are we about to have an incident like, now? Like literally, you just told me to go ahead and then kept the talking. Ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is black on black crime. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> light skin against darky. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, but what's funny, you know, after, before all this truly, truly took off, you know, you got to go back to Colin Kaepernick and him taking uh, the lead and how the NFL was like, basically, you got yeah. to go because we don't want that here. Yeah. Good point. There That's actually name. the point that I was thinking about, Jamal. Like when Colin Kaepernick came out with that and the taking the knee and all that and the whole movement around that. But I also even go back to, you know, for this generation of uh, of our listeners or those that our listeners serve in terms of young people, when LeBron James started taking stands and they told mm -hmm. him and came out and said, shut up and dribble. Shut up and dribble. Right. Uh, and it's so a white lady from Fox News. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember there was actually a meme and I don't know. I, I actually saw it. It came up in, in my timeline today. Uh, today or yesterday, and it was uh, uh, the cop that was um, on George Floyd's neck, murdering him. And then right next to him was a uh, right next to that picture was a picture of Colin Kaepernick kneeling. Mm. And it says, "This is why we kneeled," or "This is why he kneeled." Rather, right. um, yeah, yeah, very powerful. One of the things I think that was interesting to me too, you know, particularly thinking of the young lady Micaiah Bryant um, uh, in Columbus. Ah being one a teenager being two in foster care a system that we have spent you know uh, most of our professional lives and trying to to help or to impact in a positive way um you know being a teenager being killed like you you mentioned um by, by the police officer and of course you know everything is is still in the process of, of that particular situation going but how we became aware of the george floyd incident we would not even know that that existed if it wasn't for a, a teenage girl. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. And, and that, to me, that's like so powerful because people have all of these negative narratives about teens and what they do and what they don't do. And 
you know, being on their phone. And it's interesting because the story went was that she was just on her way to the corner store with her little cousin. I don't know why she was going to the store. I don't even know if she wanted to go to the store. Most teenagers probably don't want to take their little cousin to somewhere. Somebody <laughs> probably, some adult told her to take her, take her a little too, cousin. You know? And so whoever that was, you know, not getting a whole bunch of shine, but her name is, first of all, Darnella Frazier. And she had the courage to pull out her phone and literally five feet away from this incident, film the whole incident. And if it wasn't for her, we probably would not be where we are today. What do you guys think about this 17 year old young lady doing just just to have the poise? to do it because how many how many times have you seen videos of people trying to react to the police for doing something like this mm-hmm. no she like just had it in her mind just keep you know keep filming mm-hmm. yeah not knowing what was about to completely transpire yeah you said she made jamal you were talking about a, a powerful uh, social media post that she made you have yeah you on tuesday so on tuesday she uh, she wrote on facebook one year anniversary a year ago today, I witnessed the murder. The victim's name was George Floyd. Although this wasn't the first time I've seen a black man get killed at the hands of the police, this is the first time I witnessed it happen in front of me, right in front of my eyes, just a few feet away. I didn't know this man from a can of paint, but I knew his life mattered. I knew he was in pain. I knew he was another black man in danger with no power. And it, of course, she said so much more than that. Um, it, it's like a two to three minute read. And um, just to hear her words, one, makes me think that, again, teens are more brilliant than what they get credit for. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, that's, that's something she's going to live with for the rest of her life. Right. And I think that um, what endears me to that young lady uh miss fraser um is how she was swallowed up by the media attention um about all of this at that teenage age uh, that that age of being 17 and the massive amount of attention the massive amount of unrest the massive amounts of protest the massive amounts of reform all came literally crashing down on her shoulders because mm-hmm. she pulled out her cell phone and recorded a murder. And she literally recorded a murder and then had to then spent the following year of watching all of this stuff that's happening, all of the stuff that transpired and then the verdict and everything. And it all centered around that. She did that. And yep. again, that she recorded the entire thing. And although I remember even seeing start articles and stories about, you know, intervening, not intervening, like just the poise Mm-hmm. And the strength yeah. that it took to watch what she videotaped and how that is going to sit with her. Like we yeah. can sit here and interpret it from us sitting at home in our living rooms or on our laptops or our iPads, or our phones. She was literally right there, right there. five feet away watching That's it transpired. Yeah. And it wasn't, Oh, I got to record this because this is going to happen and it's going to start some massive movements. And I'm tired of police brutality. She saw an interaction between police and Mr. Floyd and yeah. recorded it. And it ended up being, a, a murder yeah. that she recorded. And, and mm-hmm. she, while she gets, she, you know, in, in a sense is the, the, the mother of this movement, kind of like Rosa Parks was, yeah. uh, the mother of this, considered the mother of the civil rights movement because of um, her not getting up uh, from her seat. 
And so while she gets a lot of credit for kind of um, moving us to where we are in the last year because um, she made that courageous decision to kind of do that, she also admitted about how traumatizing watching that yes. was. And she said that she has lost a piece of her childhood and her little cousin, uh, the article didn't give her name, but I think she was nine years old, had lost a piece mm -hmm. of her childhood because they were, while, while what she did was amazing and courageous and um, phenomenal because it got us to, to where we are today, still a long, 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 long way to go. Um, but, you know, definitely some progress has been made. Um, she has had to deal with the trauma of watching a man be murdered for really no reason. And that, I mean, and just being able to deal with that. She said, you know, a year later, you know, it, it's a little bit better now, but she still struggles um, with seeing mm -hmm. that, you know. That. She, she said her mom had to, has, has had to rock her to sleep. Mm -hmm. um, and she was, you know, at one point her and her family was homeless. Yeah. You know, she said having to hop from hotel to hotel. She said overall this this incident changed changed her. Um and she has panic attacks. So we're not even thinking about how she's not fully getting help for the this trauma. Mm -hmm. Right. Um but overall we just have to understand this is life changing. Yeah. And it's life changing for her. And it's actually life changing for the world because you saw sparks of protests literally all over the world because of this this one video. I think in the larger context, as for our listeners out there who know of our work and our passion behind the work and why we continuously say be a fan of teens, look at the power of this teenager. Like although her name and what she did was lost because we focused on, you know, we focused on the officer and officers and we focused on the memory of George Floyd. And then of course, all the other stuff that happened anytime that we talked about George Floyd or the case, we didn't always say, Oh yeah. And Ms. Frazier filmed it. We like, she got lost in that process, but she is the reason all of this stuff transpired. And so I just want us to recognize and our listeners to understand, look at the power of teenagers and what she did un un unknowingly what she did. Uh, and how that we can, if there's anything to be taken from these tragic events and moments, how it is incumbent upon us to always be willing to support them in all of this before, like the day before uh, George Floyd. I don't know Miss Fraser's life before George Floyd, so I hope that she had you know good friends and families and all that good stuff. But the day after George Floyd was killed, did that community, did her family, did her friends wrap their arms around her and hold her tight? Uh, and going to do so for the rest of her life because she literally changed the world. She literally changed the world. Um, and uh, like that, to even say that out loud, she changed the world with just a cell phone. Um, and her th her thought process to, this isn't right. Something's off about this. I need to record it. Um, and then it, what happened subsequently after that. So, Ms. Frazier? You know, yeah, this, this goes out to you, Ms. Frazier. I, I think... Teen Vogue actually had a really, really good article about her today um, in, in, in their, their online magazine. And I want to read just kind of an excerpt of it because I thought that it was really powerful. Um, it says, a part of the article says, but what gives me hope is that Darnella helped awaken society in a very way or in a way that meant those who pretend that these failings don't exist could no longer do so. There's been many promises that's been made in the year since Floyd's death by leaders, governments, companies, and institutions. One year later, it's time to focus on the follow-through and to hold people accountable 
uh, for real meaningful change. And then the last sentence uh, or a couple of sentences of that article uh, was really powerful for me. It says that we ask too much of young black girls like Darnella. The bare minimum we can do is listen to them and then do more to protect them. So Darnella Frazier, we want to say that we love you. We thank you for what you have done. Yes, we do. Um, we appreciate you uh, and we hear you. And however we can help and support, we will be there for you. I think we should try to get her on the podcast. See if, see if we can reach out to I'd her. I'd love to. Yeah. Cool. All right, fellas. Any other thing? One, um, one thing that, that uh, I think it was James Baldwin who said, um, this back in the 50s or 60s, I think it was the 60s, he said, to be a Negro in this country and relatively conscious is to be in a constant state mm -hmm. of rage yep. almost all of the time. And uh, I, I remember reading that several years ago in a book, um, but not totally understanding it, but um, definitely in the last uh, 15 years of my life or so, um, I, I know what that feels like. Yes. Um, and I think that uh, as I have continued, and it's it's very hard for me, as I've shared in many other spaces, I have always wanted a career in military law enforcement. Like that was my first job or goal. Before I wanted to become president, I wanted to serve in the military and become a four-star general or five-star general overseeing our security forces. Like that was the goal. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. And so this affinity for law enforcement and military and all that kind of stuff and what gets lost in all of the the police brutality emerges is that everyone thinks that you're against the cops because you come out and take a stand for what cops have been doing. And that is not the case. You take a stand for that. There is empirical data that backs it up that young people of color, that people of color in general are disproportionately impacted by police brutality and violence. And as a black man living in that society, it is a constant rage. If you're not just a black man, a black person in general, let me rephrase mm -hmm. that. Yeah, um, Absolutely. And so uh, the George Floyd and Micaiah Bryant's and Breonna Taylor's, and I think I've said this before too, the, the up, most upsetting thing in being enraged is not just about the police brutality, is that I get enraged and get so upset when I can't remember all their names. Like I was walking downtown at City Hall the other day and they have spray painted sort of like the Hollywood Squares, and that's not a good analogy, but they have all these stars painted, um, Walk of Hollywood, Walk of Fame, but it's all stars painted with people who have been killed by police. So there was Breonna Taylor's and Walter Scott's and... Uh, Sandra Bland, and you were like, oh my God, I forgot. That's right, she did. Oh, Eric Gardner, oh my God, I forgot. Like, you just, mm -hmm. you you get enraged because there are so many yep. of them. Yep. It'd be yep. different if this was a one-off or two, and I'd say it would be different, but just the sheer amount mm -hmm. of people who have been killed by the police, of those people who've become hashtags, like we're not even talking about those who don't become viral on social media or play out in the media in general and become the, the news story of the day of the week or whatever. It's like, it's yeah. just overwhelming. So James Baldwin uh, is absolutely great. It is a constant state of rage. But also, to our listeners out there, it is a, hopefully, a wake-up call to continuously do something. I know that there's been changes now in terms of some of the defund the police movement. That's another topic for another day. But in terms of having social work personnel respond, mental health experts respond, like other avenues and de-escalation versus, uh, you know, automatic police show up and someone ends up dead. Like that's th that like you should not no citizen in this country who calls the police or police respond to it unless it is a uh, let me not get into that part. <laughs> <laughs> let me rephrase it and say this <laughs> when police show up for the most part, citizens should not end up dead. 
Yeah. Especially unarmed citizens. Yeah. They know what to do. How many, how many videos have you seen since where they showed a cop using their taser, pulling their taser on an unarmed citizen? Yeah. Let me, let me just be blunt on a, on a white person. See, again, ladies and gentlemen, this is my problem, Mike and Jamal. No. They are now sitting here going off the show no. notes because now we're about to be here for two no. hours, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm done. Because, no, I'm, because I we could talk about this all day. I'm it's true. Saying. I I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I wanted a short episode. <laughs> and, it, and it's still going to be short. Um, but, I mean, but those are my thoughts, too. My, my thoughts are with, um, with, with, all, with, one, all the teens, and two, I think it's a choice. Uh, these cops, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I can't even put myself in the shoes of a cop making split second decisions. Yeah. But you know, you know the difference. Yeah. Um, so this special episode, and even though it is in memory of George Floyd and uh, the memory of him and, you know, the tragic loss of his life uh, and all of those before and unfortunately after him, uh, more importantly, this episode is dedicated to Miss Frazier, a teenager who started this entire movement. And so to end our show, just like we begin our show with a special song, we're going to end our show with a special song by Beyonce, uh, Brown Skin Girl. Says she really grew up poor like me. Don't believe in nothing but the Almighty. Just a little jeans and a pure whitey. She never dreamed forever be nobody wifey. Yeah. She wanna me not pretty, but your heart is a mess. Play you like a villain, cause she caught in a way. Tonight I am one.